Blog Talk Radio. Challenging, thought-provoking, insightful. This is God in Country, the collision of faith and politics, hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical Rev. Dr. Sean is a proud military veteran, former law enforcement officer and founder of the internationally regarded executive protection team. Through counseling, elite life coaching, and national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This series is biblically and politically engaged with the pedal to the metal. With today's edition of God in Country, here is host and author of the acclaimed yet controversial book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America. Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Well, that's two minutes you're never going to get back. I'm going to give everybody their money back on this. Two minutes. <clears throat> Skype apparently has had a nationwide outage. And, uh, you know, literally right before the show starts, they're going to have an outage. So I know uh, there's some people in uh, chat. Can you tell me whether or not you can hear me? That would be great. How does my voice sound? And, and don't put, like, feminine. You sound feminine. You know, because that, that would be sad. All right, there we go. There we go. How about now? Everybody hear me? Everybody? Everybody? Well, I got people logging out, logging in. I can see all the crazy activity going on here. You know, if it isn't one thing, it's another thing. Let's see here. Check, 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 check. Let's see here. Let us just see. Sorry, guys. Let's see if the sound. Check, check, check. Check, check. All right. So, are we? Can we hear me? That's that's what I need to know. Yes, you can hear me. Awesome. Well, isn't that something? I will be honest with you. I'm gonna tell you straight up front. I am not a tech guy. Awesome. Thank you, Philly Bob. Thank you, New York. We appreciate it. Thank you, Ohio. Thank you, Michigan. Thank you, Florida. Awesome. Hearing from everybody. Thank you very much. All right. So today, I'm going to tell you right now, um, in all fairness, who, who in the world knows how this show is going to go today? And I'll tell you why. Because... It's one of those days where I'm just, I'll tell you the truth, I'm just, oh, part of me is fired up and part of me is apathetic. Have you ever been like that? You're fired up and you're apathetic? That's what we call negative interest. All right, somebody's calling in already. Let's just for fun, let's just for fun see who this is. Hi, what's your name? Hello, Sean. Yes. Hey, it's Mark Herbeck. How are you? Hey, Mark, how are you doing? You're live on the air. I know that. 
Great to yeah. have you. Or great to be uh, listening with you. Awesome, awesome. What do you got for me today? Well, uh, whatever you'd like to talk about, or unless you want me to talk about something that's on my mind. <laughs> well, <laughs> tell you what, uh, did we were we did we have you scheduled for today? No, no, no. Do you remember who I am? Yeah, absolutely. I watched your okay. video. Yeah, okay. very. I, I wasn't sure I haven't spoken with you since then. Oh yeah, yeah, no doubt. We have like six hundred thousand people listening in on our little conversation here. Let me, um, let me, folks. This is this is Mark Erbach, and yep. uh, you have quite an interesting background. I mean, That's your <laughs> background. It's funny, that, funny that this is you calling. Um, so, just for fun, let's let's just kind of go over your what you're about here, because this is this sure. should be fun. So you're you're a uh, near and dear to my heart. You are a Orthodox Jew, right? I love that, love that. And what do you do for a living? Well, I taught in Gwinnett County for eleven years, American history, um, uh, U.S. history, and and uh, p- political science. And now I'm an author, and uh, I'm o- actually going to have my own radio station, a radio talk show, also. Excellent, excellent. Yeah. That sounds that sounds great. Well, we will help you promote it. We'll be glad to do that. Thank you so much. So uh, what has you fired up today? Well, um, my my presentation, my video went went viral last week, uh, you know, about uh, articles of impeachment against Obama. But that's not really – I'm over and done with that. What's really gotten me fired up is the – the uh, the apathy still in our nation in terms of the upcoming election. I think people are still just voting for people just based on what they have to say and not really about the character of the person, you know, mm-hmm. what they really believe in. Yeah. Uh, I, you know. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that today. Um, you know, it, it is interesting to me. So you do, just to give people, so you used to be a teacher, now you're an author. You're in Gwinnett County. Folks, I have a lot of people in um, – Georgia, uh, specifically the metro Atlanta area, Gwinnett County is that area. So um, there's a lot going on in Gwinnett County. Gwinnett County is a really good sort of a measuring stick, if you will, of the United States. By the way, welcome to the Collision of Faith and Politics. And um, this is kind of where we just we lay it all out. And, and today is one of those days where, to tell you the truth, it's kind of funny because, honestly, uh, if I didn't know 600,000 people were going to be listening, I wouldn't have done today's show. Truthfully, I know that sounds crazy. Right. I wouldn't have done it, and the reason I wouldn't have done it is just because at some point or another, uh, you just get fed up. I have a good friend. Uh, he's a big radio guy, and uh, his name is Dave Perkins. He has a big show and uh, down – well, he's in many markets, and – and he has been in radio for many, many years, probably one of the best red guys I've ever known. And Dave, at, at some point, just said, look, you know what, I, I'm going to hit the eject button on this election. I'm just so completely tired of it. I'm right. so completely tired of people talking about stuff that has nothing to do with anything that's of any value. And so today, uh, it's so interesting that you called in. Folks, this wasn't even planned. No, uh, not at all. Did you know I was live on the air right now, or are you just calling in? I got I got a message on my on my cell phone about your show, so I I I, I went on I, I hit the links and everything, wrote down the call in phone number, and here I am calling here you with are. you. Here you are, yeah, eight yeah. minutes into the. Well, uh, so the, here's the crazy thing. So today, one of the things uh, that I was thinking about is negative interest. 
Negative interest. I, I don't know if anybody's worried about this. This has been on my mind. It's been on a lot of the people that I talk to, you know, surrounding the show. They're all, you know, does anybody care? Is it at all disconcerting that we are at 0.02% interest? We're, we're that far from negative interest. Right. Pro- yeah. You put your money in the bank, you put your money in there, and you're getting 0.02%. And regular people, they just don't seem to care about that. And and they seem like it's, you know, well, I don't know, whatever. i got to put my money somewhere. By the way, you're getting a lot of shalom's from our uh, from our community here, sending in greetings to you. Oh, um, tell, them, tell them thank you so much. That's, that's wonderful. Yeah. How come it isn't part of the debate? And, uh, and how come it isn't? Why aren't we even considering this for making decisions as to who's going to be our president? Who's... And, and I think the greater question is, why isn't that part of, of the discussion from our debates? We have these debates. We have crazy stuff, debates between the people who are going to be at the helm of our country during – look, we, you, in your video, and folks, you, you want to go to YouTube and pull up uh, Mr. Erbach's uh, YouTube. It's on Steve Gronka's uh, channel, but you can pull right. it up there, put it in, it'll come up. And it's, it's a whole lesson start to finish. And um, really kind of laying it out. But here's the thing. The question becomes, why isn't it part of the debate? Let's just take this one. I'll go through a bunch of them that are on my mind. Negative interest. Why hasn't it even been brought up? Why, Why would anybody save, and my good friend Jerry from Pennsylvania says, negative interest is a bad idea, no incentive to save. Why in the world... Isn't the whole society, anybody that makes a penny of money and puts even $10 a week in the bank, why? Why don't, why, why don't people care about this? It's, it's, it's apathy beyond I've, like I've never seen in the history of the world. I mean, I think people in medieval times were more concerned about their, about their lives than some, than some people today. You know, we have, I think most people in this country are patriots. They're overwhelmed with work and family. But you're exactly right, Sean. People just don't care about some of the most important pressing issues of our day. They don't even hold these uh, candidates accountable for their, for their words or their actions. And that's what we have today. I mean, I, like I said in my video, I think uh, Trump is a white Obama. Uh, Sanders is a communist, says he's a socialist. Sanders is a I mean, uh, Clinton's a criminal galore. And Cruz, he's broken his oath so many times to the Constitution, I can't even remember how many times. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, well, so, you against so, them, you against them would defeat them in, in, in a minute. Well, here's the thing: debates between the people who are, are going to be at the helm of this country, <clears throat> and, I, and we've both identified that this is. And I think our audience is—I I know it. Our audience is extremely smart. This is the most delicate, dangerous time of our existence as a nation. And what do the debates consist of? Oh, so-and-so has 27 mistresses, and oh, by the way, I don't like his face and I don't like his smile. We're arguing over who started this classless, you know, it's just classless bickering between right. two candidates. But I'll tell you this. <coughs> Excuse me. I think we did as a, as a people. We, we brought it about because there's such a taste of chum. Right. So much chum in the water that the sharks are going crazy. We simply allow it. We just soak it up and voila. Voila. Press covers it, covers all, and look, if, it's, if it bleeds, it leads, is what they always right. say. That's true. But, meanwhile, the, the, we're dying on the vine of liberty, and I would, even, I would even go farther than that and say the vine of liberty is dying because we haven't watered it with habit and long training. So the question is, 
How come it's not part of the debates and in making the decision of who's going to be our president and who out there is making sure that it isn't? Somebody is in charge of making sure the real stuff doesn't get put in front of the American people. True. True. <clears throat> and you have, to, yeah. have, you, have to, you have to wonder. You have to wonder who's uh, making this. And the thing is, here it is. Let's look at let's look at savings. Uh, and, and look, I think we are concerned. I absolutely think right. we're the media doesn't reflect our concern. Right. But you know what? We don't have a real voice. The gap between us and them so huge. And let me let me just go to this interesting. No interest. One of our great listeners has sent this in. No interest means you don't save. No saving equals no future. Equals the government is your source. The That's government true. is your source. And look. The government, I remember seeing commercials when I was a kid. Now I'm, I'm 50. Uh, I'll be 51 in September. So I remember when I was a kid, not that long ago, seeing television commercials about saving. Hey, you know, they had a little piggy bank. And listen, put your money away. Make sure you put a little every week, you know. And even if you're a little kid, there was examples. There were cartoons, all this stuff. Talking about putting your money away. But now, if you ask people... Um, Compounding interest. Let's just talk about that for a second. Guess what? Banks, where most of the people keep their money, we just talked about negative interest. They're getting dangerously close to you paying them to hold right. your money. That's true. That's now, true. Let me say this. This is happening in Europe. Europe, uh, my buddy Jerry from Pennsylvania, Europe, slightly ahead of us, has no clue. Uh, we need Hayek and Milton Freeman, Sol and Walter E. Williams. They're good, but they're out of the mainstream. And here's the thing. This is kind of what we touched on, and we've touched on this before on the show. Um, by the way, I did no opening to the show. Normally we do this big opening, and I have a monologue and all that stuff, but I'm just I'm so fired up today, but yet I'm so apathetic. Uh, my buddy Craig from New York, he, he sends in national debt, $20 trillion unfunded liabilities, $220 trillion negative interest, and a cashless plastic Society, right, and, and, and the banks control all of it. Right, the banks control every bit of it. So we're not saving. I'll give you. I'll just what the heck. I'll give you a real example. I'll be a little transparent. Last week I was transparent, uh, or the week before I was transparent with our doctors that were on. I'll be transparent again. I'm 50 years old. I'm 100 percent disabled through no fault of my own. Uh, but according to a well-known Social Security attorney in the Northeast, I am far too good-looking to receive Social Security disability benefits. Uh. Wait, no, 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 he didn't say that. I, I think I might have gotten that wrong. I think maybe what he said is that I look too good physically. I, I prefer to think that he said I'm far too good-looking. But he, what he actually said was, I look too good physically at first glance, and then I can talk halfway decent, so no judge is going to award me disability. So let me ask you this. Let's say for the sake of argument, just for fun, that I'm still working. I'm 50 now, right? I'm 50 now. At what age would I have to work till in order to start earning uh, or start collecting the unicorns? I mean, the benefits that I've paid into. What age? 75? What are we at now? 63, 64, 65, 66? What is, what is the age? You got to do. Yeah, I think it's sixty-six, isn't it? Yes. I mean, you've got to be kidding me. Right. You have got to be kidding me. So, so the thing is, is what what happens? Let me ask you this: 
what happens? Um, let me give you another example. Let me give you another example. This will just be for fun. So I'm working till I'm 75 because at the current rate, that's it's probably gonna be 75 or older. I'll have to be if it's 66 now. It's 67. Thank you, New York City, uh, upstate New York. 67 years old. Okay, so it's 67 now. In 20 years, uh, let's see. Well, no, not even that. I mean, you're you're, you're going to turn 51 real soon in September. You said. Yeah, who in the world is going to hire me at 70-some years old? Who's going to keep me on the books? Who's going to keep me? Now, I want to be clear uh, that I have great respect for older people. Um, I think that they're a very terribly untapped resource in the United States of America. It's driving me crazy. Um, And... That, that we don't. I mean, we, even in my book, Excellence Kill the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, it's at the ninjapastor.com, Amazon, all those places, Barnes & Noble, blah, blah, blah. Here's the thing. I talk about in my book. Look, we're not using the mind wealth, the intellect wealth that we have out there. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why we're not. Here is why we're not. Because this society, the Alinsky Society, um, they – want to minimize the intellect and the value of a seasoned citizen's mind. It's been there and done that. They don't want us to hear from them, and they don't want us to hear from them because nine times out of ten, they're conservative. Nine times out of ten, they actually know the Constitution. Nine times out of ten, they either either were were closely, some way closely associated with the greatest generation, World War II, or they themselves were in World War II. They don't want they don't want those people contributing anymore because, look, it's it's uh, my buddy Jerry from Pennsylvania. There, here it is. It's socialism. Socialism is the equality of outcome. So so I'm I'm let's you know we all care about me right back to me. I'm 70 years old and I'm still having to be in the workforce for five more years, assuming I could even get a job in order to collect. Look, and I called it unicorns. Start collecting unicorns. Right. Uh, let's let's be honest. Who really thinks that Social Security is going to be there? And honestly, it, it was never designed to be a retirement. But of I've paid, I've paid into it. Right. And everything else is paid into it. So why are we calling these? Uh, what do they call them? Enti- not entitlements. What are they? Um, benefits. They're not. Right. I paid into them. I paid into them. That's my money that you've poorly managed, and you've robbed the pot all these years. We talked about compounding interest. What if they'd have left the money there and let it grow at a reasonable interest? What if they, the government, it, the government, it, allowed the government? Hey, you know what? I'll tell you what, Mark. A place you should be on the 9th, I think it is, at Bible Fellowship Church okay. is Level 1 Center for Self-Governance Training. My buddy Mark Kerr is coming in tomorrow night from the Center of Self-Governance, and he will be teaching. I'll be taking Level 5. Level 1 is where everybody starts. Folks, okay. um, go to my blog, uh, drshawngreener.com. Go over to the blog. Go down to where you see the secret sauce post. There's all kinds of there's all kinds of stuff, all kinds of stuff in there that it tells you about the classes. But if you've never taken a class, boom, you start at Level 1. I'm telling you, folks, we should flood that class. We should have to go out to Walmarts and buy a bunch of chairs. We should run out of chairs because, look, people say, hey, I really want to do something to save the republic. Well, this is something you can do. Sean, can I tell you something that I thought of when I was reading the Constitution? 
Rock and roll. Um, Ted Cruz says he's memorized the Constitution, but he's not preserved, protected, and defended it, in my opinion. He's always said that he's going, he wants to abolish the IRS. I have a better plan than he does. Because, like I said, he's memorized it, but he doesn't enforce it. Um, the president has exclusive power to pardon people. You would agree? Yes. No one can stop the president from doing that. Nothing. Nothing can stop him. He has 100% exclusive power to pardon and grant reprieves to whoever he wants for whatever reason. You know, murder, it doesn't matter. He can grant, he can give them a pardon. The If I was president, the second year, my second year in office, before January, I would say probably, I don't know, February, February, you know, February of the first year, I would tell every citizen in America that pays income taxes, citizens, when it comes time to filing your income taxes, don't pay them. Do you know where I'm leading to? No, no, go ahead. Lay it on me. Okay. So, and I, and I tell the citizens, I'm very serious. Don't pay your income taxes. Don't you dare send one piece of paper to the IRS. And they'll think I'm nuts, and I'll just say it over and over again until they get the message. Then they don't fire their income taxes. They don't, they don't pay anything. Well, they just committed an offense. It'll take the IRS about eight months to figure out that the massive haven't paid their income taxes. It'll take eight months to figure that out. When they do, the IRS will send the people, the citizens, a letter saying, hey, you didn't pay your income taxes. And the people will have committed an offense, some sort of a level one crime against the government. Mm-hmm. And then the president just gets the database out of the IRS – uh, all the people, all their names and addresses, and he pardons them. And then instantly about 3 to $4 trillion goes about right back into the economy. The only draw, the, the biggest drawback is then the government will have 3 to $4 trillion less to work with. So obviously it has to be planned out well in advance. But it is 100% legal and constitutionally protected. Probably will be never enacted because it's such a large, massive scale of a, you know, doing something like that. But it is legal. And uh, I got – it wasn't my idea. I actually borrowed it from a constitutionalist who ran for president this past year. He simply ran out of money. But I read his document. It's a proclamation. It's only a page and a half, and it makes perfectly good sense. And it does exactly that in a nutshell. Could it be done? Yeah. Will it? No. It will never be done. Well, here's here's the thing that, uh, that I wonder about. And uh, ultimately it comes down to this. I'm looking at – a whole lot of people, you know, look, I, I have been on both sides of the coin. I've made almost no money. Yeah, Jerry from Pennsylvania says the answer to that is the government, they'll just print out what they need. They'll print that's out true. and they'll pay with fake money, and, and ultimately that's what happens. But here's the thing. So I'm a guy who's been on both sides of it. I've had nothing, and I've had what I consider to be a lot, and then I've had nothing again. And I can tell you – I, you know, I, I would look at my I would look at my pay stub when I worked for a company, and then I look at, of course, my taxes when when I owned the company, and I'm looking at the money that goes out, and then I then I drive down to Washington D.C. because I'm not that far from Washington D.C. I drive down there, and I drive by buildings, and it's this group and that group and whatever else, and uh, you, you know, it's just names on buildings and. And, and, and it's, it's agency after agency and then non-governmental agency after attached to this place and that place. And all of this is people getting paid lots and lots of money, all kinds of money. My buddy Jerry talks about this all the time, right. how the public sector now has outpaced as far as uh, salary and benefits and all of these things. 
they're just rocking it, man. They're rocking it. They're doing great. Hey, we love Obama because you know what he's doing? He's making government bigger. And you know what happens when government gets bigger? We are going to be able it's it, 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 my buddy from uh, upstate New York. It's the Ponzi scheme. It's the biggest Ponzi scheme ever. So I'm looking at my pay stub or or as a, a business owner I'm looking at my taxes. And I'm saying, okay, all these Black Lives Matter and all these other people who they just hate anybody that's, that's got something because that belongs to them, that I had to have stolen it from them. They're standing around throwing rocks and bottles, and they're setting places on fire where they live, by the way. They're robbing stores where they live. They're stealing televisions and sneakers and liquor from where they live. Now, they're not, I don't ever see them st- stealing baby formula. I don't ever see them stealing diapers. Uh, I don't ever steal them. Uh, you never see them robbing uh, libraries in their neighborhood. Right. You never see that. You know, I'm going to go, I'm going to go and I'm going to, I'm going to read. I'm going to get that, that Tony Robbins book I've been wanting, or I'm going to go get that other copy of the Bible I've been wanting. You know, they don't ever do that. It's always, it's always the, the wretched excess stuff. Right. So here's the thing. I'm looking at, I'm looking down and, and I'm studying to try to improve myself. I'm doing all these things that I'm doing. I'm seeing all this money robbed from me week after week after week after week. And what happens? What happens to me? I see more money every month going out of my check. Meanwhile, I got to go to work and work longer and work harder. And, and meanwhile, I see all these people, they're sitting on their front stoop, Section 8 front stoop. I see all these people sitting there doing nothing but complaining right. that I'm not doing enough. That's true. Yeah, that's, that's, I have a question for you, Sean. You, you watched my video. And I was very, very upset and, and uh, very, very sincere about my beliefs towards Obama and what he's done to this nation. Mel Brooks did the exact opposite in his career. He made fun of Hitler like no one else in the history of the world. And, and, and Hitler went down as an idiot, and people laughed at him for years and years, in the last 30 years. You know, that's Mel Brooks' stick, his stick. If I can do the same thing, I have a, you know, I have a split personality. I can be extremely funny. If I made fun of Obama with one issue, him giving billions, and the Congress giving billions of uh, subsidies to illegal aliens, and somehow made that funny. Like, do you think American people would get off their apathy, you know what, and start caring that that money is illegally going to illegals? I mean, that's that's one of my biggest pet peeves with some, not all the American people, but some of the American people. They know the money is going to illegal aliens, and they probably know that's the illegal activity, but they don't care about it. But it's their money. Like you said, mm-hmm. it's your money going to these people that are just sitting around wanting more money. You know what I'm saying? Well, here, I'll, I'll break it down even further. <laughs> okay, go I'll ahead. Even further. Um, you know, here's the crazy thing. We have what, what you just described is actually aiding and abetting a criminal act. Because because when when Barack Hussein Obama says, come on in, yeah, we have laws against it, but you know what, we're not going to enforce it. I'm going to tell the people at the border, I'm going to say, look, you know what, you, I don't, I don't want you enforcing anything. I want you to leave these people alone. They're just trying to make a better way for themselves. Right. In the American dream as we do. And so, you know what, I'm an anti-colonialist. I'm just going to, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to let them in. And you know what else I'm going to do? I'm going to take your money, the money you work for, without a vote. I'm going to take that money, and I'm going to fund, through all kinds of different secret channels, I'm going to fund 40, up to $47,000 a year per person. 
coming illegally into the country. I'm going to give you $47,000 to do that. And oh, by the way, there's no way we can keep an eye on you. And also, <laughs> happened Muslim coming from a country that has hated us from the beginning of time and hated Christians and wants to kill Christians and Jews right. beginning of time. You know what we're going to do? We are going to let them into. We're going to invite them into. And you know what we're going to do? We're not going to be able to check them because you know what? Like in San Bernardino, we don't want to check people's Facebook. We don't want to be, you know, intrusive on them. But you know what? We're going to let them in. We're going to give them money, but we're not going to check on them. And because that's what we should do, because you know, and they'll quote some Bible verse that's right. Taken but he is going to do ex- extensive background checks on the God-fearing patriot gun owners of America. Yeah, yeah. And here's the thing: Jerry from Pennsylvania has this great point, and it's in my notes here. Ironically. Great minds think alike. He's a way greater mind than mine. Forty percent of American households headed by a single parent or grandparent, and we've been subsidizing each extra child. Right, right. And look, and, and it's, this is this is a great uh, this is an absolute great statement. You always get more of what you reward. You say, look, I don't I don't want you to mow the grass or to get your hands dirty or um, I don't want you you know if you're my my kid my teenager. Uh, or, or however old, but you're old enough. I don't want you to clean your room. I don't want you to do. In fact, I'm going to give you money to not clean your room. I'm going to give you money to not mow the grass. I'm going to give you money to not wash the dishes or even take your dish up after, you know, your mother, or your father make you dinner. I'm going to reward you for not doing that. So I just want you to do that. And you know what? You don't have to go to school. <laughs> <laughs> you're 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 on the right track. You're on the right roll. You got me laughing. It's it's, it's amazing. Now here's here's and I'll let and this I'm, I'm going to let you go. So you've been so nice having me on your show. I really appreciate it. There but, is two things, two things that can stop all this nonsense in his tracks. The grand jury. Do you know the power of the grand jury? Yeah, absolutely. The grand jury. I'm I've been friends with quite possibly the smartest judge in America right now. I'm going to leave his name out for right now. I, I mean, I've said his name on radio before. I just don't feel like saying it again. He is just an incredible person, a veteran, a uh, former police officer, judge for over 20 years. He's quite possibly the smartest man in terms of the power of the grand jury. The grand jury is so powerful that they, it can indict and find guilty any elected official in this nation all the way up to the president. That's a fact. Mm-hmm. The problem with it is that you need to find people that will stand firm on the grand jury and enforce their enforce their powers. That's the one thing. The other thing is the sheriff the sheriff is the most powerful person in the county. They can cross county lines to arrest people that have broken a, that have uh, committed a crime or broken their oath. So I asked the judge. I said, "Judge, can can the sheriff arrest the governor?" He said, "Why?" I said, "Well, if the governor committed a crime." And he said, "Yeah, the sheriff can arrest the governor." He said it would have to be a pretty serious crime. I, I said, is breaking an oath a serious crime? He says, yeah. I said, well, there you go. <laughs> but he said, Mark, you have to realize that the sheriff's going to put himself in a little bit of a situation if he tries to arrest the governor. I said, well, yeah, but you just told me breaking his oath is a crime. So you know, so it goes, we went back and forth. You know, how bad is was it was breaking the oath? So, but the sheriffs, the sheriffs in this country, need to start arresting people for breaking their oath. Well, let me let me put something in front of you, and I think this will be I think this will be interesting for the audience, and and I'll let you go, and I'll, I'll run okay. with it. Thank you for calling in. We'll schedule a time for you to uh, to call back in, and and we'd be glad to have you. It'd be a lot of fun. Thanks so and much, thank, John. Thank, thank you so much for speaking with me on the phone. Thank you. My pleasure. My pleasure. Bye-bye. Absolutely. Okay. Bye bye. So, here you have it, folks. 
And I mean, you can, uh, we can call this whatever we want. Um, and by the way, let me be clear. I, I support Ted Cruz. I like the guy. He's thank you, buddy. Uh, I know that, um, he doesn't do everything perfect. Neither do I, but I think overall he's the guy who we have the best shot, uh, really and truly uh, doing anything. Um, I really, really do. And I, and I, and I've said that for long before this election, but let me, let me put this out to you. We're just, let's just talk sheriffs just for a second. And people say, well, why do, I want, why do you want to talk about sheriffs? I don't know anything about sheriffs. That's why I want to talk about sheriffs, because you don't know anything about sheriffs. Sheriffs are a very important role in the country, in the local, in your political subdivision. Now, if you come to Center for Self-Governance, listen, I want you to do this. No fooling. I really do want you to do this. This is really important. Go to drshawngreener.com or theninjapastor.com. Go over to the blog. Go down to where I talk about the secret sauce. Read that. If you've never been to Center for Self-Governance, it's going to be in Delaware, in Newark, Delaware. So if you live in Newark, Delaware, or you, you live in Delaware at all, Delaware, you know, it's one area code for Pete's sake. So if you live in Del- pardon me, Delaware, Maryland, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, you're within uh, just, just a short ride, just a very short ride. And so you come to this. We teach you the language of liberty. We release you from the language of captivity. We teach you what your political subdivision – because, look, if you think that one time a year or one time every four years we vote for a president and that's exercising our, our, um, our citizenship and that's doing what we should do, man, I'm telling you, you, you we've got to talk more. Because it's not. You have all kinds of smaller elections in your political subdivision. So here's, here's the thing. In the state of Delaware, and, and we'll just talk about Newcastle County, there's three counties in the state of Delaware. There's one, one area code, the 302. There's three counties, very small. It takes you an hour and about 35, hour and 40 minutes to drive from the tip of the state to the under. It's, it's the second smallest state in the country. So in Newcastle County, the most populated of the counties, the northernmost county of Delaware, there's a sheriff. Now, I know him really well. Uh, when he, he was, I was a police officer, and he came on. He was a rookie, uh, and I had already been there for some time. And great guy, very, very good guy, very smart, really smart guy. You could tell he was very, very smart. Spent a lot of time in the public information office. He spent a lot of time uh, in, in very high-profile jobs as a police officer. And and nothing against that. I mean, he did he did a great job. Uh, so eventually, he when he retired, he ran for sheriff. He retired, you know, apparently as as soon as he could. Then he ran for sheriff, which is in in Delaware is a political office. You run a campaign. That's what you do. You run for sheriff, and and bada boom, bada bing. If you win, then you win. Well, the thing is, uh, you don't have a uh, you don't have a populace that really understands what a sheriff does, right? You don't. We don't have that anymore. We don't have we don't have a citizenry that understands when they're getting the shaft and when they're not. We don't have a citizenry that understands when we're not getting our money's worth out of the sheriff and when we're not. So in Newcastle County, Delaware, the sheriffs pretty much serve summonses and. You know, things like that. Just just administrative. It's administrative function. They don't even carry guns. 
But in reality, constitutionally, the sheriff has, as as uh, Mr. Erbach said, uh, Mark Erbach, and that was a fluke, guys. I'm telling you right now, it was so funny that he was calling in uh, because I didn't know he was calling in. And it's kind of a, a guy that I just um, have been getting to know and he put this video out, and at some point we'll put the video on our website, and you'll be able to look at it. It's uh, it's pretty interesting. Um, and so, what I'm saying to you, and, and the, the reason why this is important is I want to give you some some background. So the guy runs for uh, sheriff, and again, I want to be clear. Now he's a Democrat. He's he's liberal as best I can tell, but a good guy, good guy. And you know, Delaware is as blue as you get. So. He doesn't really know what his constitutional obligations are. He doesn't know what his actual duties of office are. He just knows what all the other sheriffs have done. But then Sussex County, the southernmost, uh, the southernmost county, and I think the best county in, in Delaware, the southernmost county, there's a sheriff there. I won't say his name because he hasn't asked to be on the air or anything like that, so I don't want to put him in that position. But this was a national issue. And... The uh, government in the state of Delaware, and they started working at a, at a county level, they want to strip the guy. They want to strip the guy of his right to carry a gun and the performance of his duties. They want to strip him uh, of his men of the right to carry guns. Uh, they say, look, you're just an administrative role. Uh, you know, all this talk of Constitution you're doing, that's really great. And, but you know what? That's not what we do. In his retort, I was at uh, several different meetings and uh, and and he said, you know, that's just you can say that's not what you do, but you're shirking your duties when you say that. You're doing the wrong thing when you say that. When you say to me that, look, I'm I'm not uh, I'm not going to do that because that's not traditionally what we've done. Well, guess what you're doing? You're shirking. I don't care if you're doing it because you don't know. But when you take an office, especially an office that you run for, an elected office, you have to know what the duties and obligations and responsibilities of that office are. If you don't know what they are, it doesn't matter that you don't know what they are. I didn't know what I was supposed to do. I didn't know what I was supposed to do. It's nothing different than a police officer. So you say, well, if you do less than you're supposed to do, that won't get you in trouble, right? Really? What about the other offices if they're not doing what they're supposed to do? If they go to work and they just take a nap every day? But they're supposed to do that. What if you do more than you're supposed to do? What if you do more than you're supposed to do? Let's look at, at, at uh, Kim Davis in, in Kentucky. Was it Kentucky? Yeah, it was Kentucky, I think. Uh, Rowan, Rowan County, Kentucky. This woman said, look, I'm, I'm not going to put my name and swear an oath to uh, marriage certificates. Now, first of all, I don't think government should have anything to do with marriage certificates. Honest to goodness. They don't, what, what business do they have? Don't even have any business. It's, a, it's, it's a religious thing. I, you know, and it blows my mind. I'm, I'm not advocating this, but I'm just saying, putting this out there for you. Uh, you know, you can marry a man, can marry a man, a woman can marry a woman, but how come? Uh, or, or I guess this is coming. Why can't you marry more than one woman? Why can't a woman marry more than one man? My, why can't a woman marry a couple men, a couple women, or vice versa? Why? Because society said, well. The whole man and woman thing, the marriage thing, biblical stuff, that's not fair. That's separation of church and state going on there. We don't think that's right. But you know what? Societally, you know what we're going to do? We're going to change what we do. We're going to morph what we do. It's just like the etymology of a word. 
people say, you know, that's very concerning. First of all, it's not concerning. That's a moot point. That's correct. Moot point is correct. You know what's not correct? Mute point. That's a mute point. No. It's, but so many people say it wrong. That's very concerning. It's disconcerting. The word is disconcerting. The word you're looking for is disconcerting. Well, but, you know, the etymology and the, you know, societal convention, and then colloquially it ends up changing. Well, it's wrong, and we get stupider and stupider by the minute. Well, let's apply that same logic. Let's apply that same logic to the sheriff's job. And, and Mark uh, Erbach, a very, very learned man, uh, just said that before he, he got off the line. The sheriff is one of the most powerful positions in government. The things, the, 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 the constitutional rights and responsibilities that a sheriff has are extraordinary. You know who the sheriff represents? The people. So the sheriff in northern Newcastle County is very politically involved. Everybody knows he's going to run for – he's probably going to run for uh, county council, and then he's going to run for council president, and then he's going to run for ca- uh, county executive, and then he's going to run for some um, city and state office, and then he's going to probably run for governor. Uh, really smart guy. He, he, he's missing the boat on a lot of things. So he says – comes to this meeting, and he says, look, I am the sheriff of Newcastle County, but I'm not, I'm not deluding myself to think that I have responsibilities any more than what I really do, which is to serve, you know, summonses and things like that. I mean, and then evict people, you know, to go put the eviction notice up. I, you know, we're not staffed to do, it's just traditionally not what we've done. Not what we've done. So, you know, here is here is the thing. He's saying because we've always done it this way, we're going to keep doing it this way. What's the problem with that? If you're wrong, you're wrong. By the way, out there, folks, if you, I, I'm hoping that you only told people that you really like or uh, you like your friends and stuff, only the ones you really like, and then also. Um, your family, only the ones you really like about the show today. It's not for everybody. It's just for the ones you really like. So here's the thing. So the sheriff from Newcastle County, you know, he's viewed with much more respect than the sheriff of Sussex County, even though the sheriff of Sussex County in the same state, there's only three, Sussex, Kent, and Newcastle, he gets made fun of. This guy gets made fun of, but he knows the Constitution. And he's saying, look, and they're like, well, why do you want to carry a gun? You know, what do you, why do you want to be a – you know, are you a frustrated wannabe cop? No, I'm actually a retired police officer from a very large metropolitan office where I – metropolitan area where I was actually one of the top police officers. So I kind of know what policing is all about. I'm retired. I, I worked there a long time. Well, so this big argument is going back and forth, and the only guy that's telling the truth is the guy that's not laughing. It's the guy that's looking very seriously at the other sheriff and saying, look, you can serve warrants or serve uh, eviction notices and you can serve summonses for the court. You can be an officer court all you want. But that's not where your duties stop. And, and then he said, made the mistake of saying in a public forum with hundreds of people there, you know, a sheriff actually has some of the highest level of authority, legal authority, than anywhere in the country of any, any elected official, and they laughed, and everybody laughed. They're like, oh, yeah, right, oh, next thing you know, you're going to arrest the president. And this is at a conservative gathering. 
So things just happen. I, the point I'm trying to illustrate here, things just happen. Things, they're going a certain direction, and then guess what happens? They keep going that direction. They snowball, snowball effect. But the, the problem is, why in the world, why in the world do we allow things to keep going this way? How come it's not part of these debates? How come it's in, in making the decision of who's going to run to be the president of the United States, why aren't these questions? Negative interest, folks. Negative interest. Do you Are you getting this? They're, you're going to pay banks to hold your money. You're going to say, hey, can you hold my money, my folded money, my crinkly money? Can you hold that? And, and how much I got to pay for that? How, mu- how much How much you want for me to hold your money? Oh, wait, for me to hold, for you to hold my money. Thank you to Doyle for my tea. It's my lady tea. Got a little coconut oil in there, though. Rock on. A little coconut oil, a little honey. Yum. Look, these people, the arguments between them, um, I don't share, I don't share uh, Mark's belief that Ted Cruz is a bad guy. I think he's a great guy. I think he's a phenomenal guy. But I respect everybody's right to say what they want to say, and, and obviously Mark's a very learned man. But the fact of the matter is uh, – the debates and, and the leading up to debates, if, in fact, Trump's going to debate, so-and-so has 27 mistresses, and I don't like his face. And you know what? I don't like his smile. He's, when he smiles, it goes down. That's weird. That's creepy. Use the word creepy. I hate that. We're arguing over who started all this bickering. But we're the ones that did it. I said it before. Chum. Chum in the water, and we keep biting for it. If we totally put them on ignore and said, you know what? We are not going to fiddle with this. Compounding interest. We talked about compounding interest. By the way, I want to I want to share something with you. My buddy Bob, Philly Bob, missed that guy. Uh, okay, ready? Poverty rank one through ten. All right, I'm gonna read. I'm gonna I'm gonna read this to you just for fun. This is the poverty rank in the United States of America. Detroit, Michigan, number one, or Detroit if you say it that way. Number two, Buffalo, New York. You know they regularly get like seven feet of snow. In Buffalo, New York, seven feet. I, I just wouldn't. I couldn't function. Uh, Cincinnati, Ohio. Now this is this is kind of look. You want John Kasich running for president, right? You want him as president. Well, here you go. Number three, most poverty-stricken, mo- the worst economic place in the country is Cincinnati, Ohio. Number three, Cleveland, Ohio. Number four, where the Republican convention is. Then you have. Miami, Florida, that's number five. You have <clears throat> St. Louis, Missouri, although somebody spelled St. Louis wrong. Um, it's number six. El Paso, Texas, number seven. Um, number eight is Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Isn't that funny that Wisconsin's such a big state right now? Number nine, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Number 10, Newark, New Jersey. You get all that. That's number 10. Those are the most poverty stricken, the worst places. Poverty rank, 1 to 10, the worst one, number one, Detroit, Michigan, or Detroit, and then we go all the way down to Newark, New Jersey. We've got two in Ohio right off the top. Now, let's go back and let's see if we can draw a correlation, just for fun. Look, I'm just having fun here because this is a show I didn't feel like doing anyway. Uh, Detroit, Michigan, Democrats since 1961. Totally controlled by Democrats, 1961. Went from being a shining city, great example of, of what can be done architecturally, economically, uh, 
Unions got control. Democrats got control. But I, I digress. And since 1961, now they're number one, the most poverty-stricken city in the country. Buffalo, New York, 1954. They've been Democrat-controlled since 1954. How about Cincinnati, Ohio, 1984? How about Cleveland, Ohio, 1989? Democrat since 1984, Cleveland, or Cincinnati, Cleveland, Ohio, 1989. Miami, Florida, it's never been run by a Republican. Never been run, despite the fact you have everybody going there in the winter, Miami, Florida. You had all this, this uh, tourist trade, and it's, and, it, and it's number five most poverty-stricken place. It's been run by Democrats forever. St. Louis, Missouri, since 1959, they've been run by Democrats. Number seven, El Paso, Texas, been run. Uh, look, El Paso's right there, right there on the border. El Paso, Texas, Democrat forever. Number seven on the most poverty-stricken list. Number eight, Will, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Since 1908, they've been Democrat. They're number eight on the – and then Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, 1952. Somebody tell me who was the mayor up until 1952, and then what happened in 1952 with Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And then you've got Newark, New Jersey, since 1907. They've been run by Democrats. Now, I'm going to tell you what uh, – Zell Miller, I would stand with Zell Miller any day. And I used to say, I got to talk to him a few times. I used to say, Mr. Miller, I, I just don't understand why you're a Democrat, because you're actually a Republican. You know, I don't understand it. And he said, do you know how you change something from the inside out? And boy, he was right. But unfortunately, he was a voice in the wilderness. He was a voice in the wilderness. So here's, here's what I'm saying to you. Here's, here's just, I'm just putting this out there. So in those cities, and I'm surprised that Baltimore, Maryland is not on there. I bet they're probably 11 or 12. They're just outside of their top 10, I bet. So here's the thing. You've got all these cities. You've got all these riots. You've got all this drugs going out of control. That is how you create your voter base, right? If you're a Democrat, you say, or you're a liberal, you say, look, those other guys, those Republicans, those conservatives, they don't like you. They don't like you at all. And you know what else? They want to string you up. They want to put chains back on you from slavery. You know, back when they enslaved you, by the way, let alone that the KKK was a Democrat organization, let alone the NRA was actually formed to help freed slaves be able to have gun rights. Now, let's not tell the truth about that. It's like my buddy Kay Call. Kay Call's been on this show. He's going to be on the show again. Look, man, Frederick, Frederick Douglass, Republicans, you go to diversityengagement.org or .com, you sign up for the course. I did it. It's amazing. K. Carl was on the show. I stayed up till 1.30 in the morning completing the courses, the video courses. They were amazing. I signed up right on the show. If you go back and listen to that show when K. Carl was on, I signed up on the show, and by 1.30 in the morning, I had completed the whole course. It was amazing. But you know what? These cities... They have mayors that say, look, you know, we care about LGBT, Q, R, S, T, W, X, Y, Z. You know, we compare, we compare, comparatively speaking, we're the ones that care about you. We don't, look, we're here to protect you from those other bad conservatives. Because you know what? They don't want you to have your rights. They don't want to, they don't, women, they don't want you to have your reproductive rights. They don't want you to have that. Voters, they want, they don't want you to have access to the polls. That's why they want you to have a they don't know how hard it is to show an ID. To get an ID. You know how hard it is to get an ID. We know how hard it is. We know how racist it is 
for them to demand that you prove who you are. And that's, you know why they don't want to do it. That's why, because they don't want you to have the right to vote. Those, those dastardly Republicans. But let me say this. Look, I'm not going to be an apologist for the Republican Party. No way. No way, shape, or form. At least not the leadership. Why? Because the Republican Party, the leadership of the Republican Party, partly to blame. Partly to blame. This guy, Reince Priebus, uh, look, Reince Priebus may be a great guy. He may be a really smart guy. I know he didn't get the job because of his looks. But I'm going to tell you this. The guy is, is like watching a, I don't even know what. He's like watching a sponge dry. I mean, it is just brutal. Listening to this guy talk is terrible. He's like, he's from Wisconsin. No offense, Wisconsin people, but this is him. You know, what we're going to do is we're going to have a convention. And at that convention, there are certain rules where, you know, we're going to just do this thing. And look, we are unified we are sticking together. We're going to unify the party. We are the party of great ideas, and we're the party of small government. No, you're not, you liar. There are some in the party that are the party of small government, but you're not. There's nothing you've ever done that says you're into small government. And 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 honestly, if we're, if we're being totally fair, look, we hear all about how small they want government to be until it comes time to start dropping the axe. When somebody tells me they want to they get rid of the IRS, they want to get rid of the Department of Education, they want to get rid of Department of Energy, they want to get rid of Bureau of Land Management, can I get an amen? When they get, when I get rid of all these places, well, let, me, let me put this, I said IRS, I'm just going to touch on this because I can't stand it, I'm, I'm too mad. Mad isn't angry, not mad isn't crazy, although there may be some of that. And I told you, you can't say you weren't warned in the advertising for the show, I told you point blank. All right. <clears throat> Let's let me just what was it a year ago two years ago I did a show on Lois Lerner. Remember what her name is? Does anybody even remember what this chick's name? Do they do you know who does she make you cringe? Well, uh, you've got a woman who was in charge of a certain section of the IRS. She wasn't in charge of the whole IRS, just a certain section of it. And it comes out that look, she she allowed. She allowed, yes, the retiree, we allowed her to retire. Now, here's what she did. Here's what she did. With full benefits, thank you, Craig from New York. With full benefits, we allow this woman to retire. She's very high up at the IRS, and and she and her division went after conservative organizations. They didn't do it about um, liberal organizations, and she's a hardcore leftist, hardcore leftist, put there in place by the left. That's how she got her job. Cushy government job, great money. Comes out, they do this big investigation, and what do you know? This chick is uh, just crushing. She's crushing conservative organizations, tea parties, uh, Christian organizations, things like this, not allowing them to have their 501c3s, you know, all these different things, you know, that, that there are rights as people. We're allowed to disagree with the people in charge. We're allowed to do that. But what's the problem here? What's the real problem here? I, I'm just gonna I'm gonna put this out there just because I like you and you matter to me. Why isn't this woman in jail? Can somebody tell me why she's not in jail? Well, tell me why 
Lois Lerner is not sitting in a federal penitentiary right now looking at 20, 30 years. I'll tell you why. I'll answer it. I will answer that question for you, free of charge, at no cost or obligation to you. She's not in jail right now because none of us cared enough to storm the freaking gates of Congress and the White House. We didn't care enough. We didn't care enough that this woman and her group of ne'er-do-wells on our dime is now living high off the hog, not answering questions. She went to, went to, uh, went to a congressional hearing and didn't answer questions. you got no problem with that. I'll give you another one. I'll give you another one. We murder, we allow the Bureau of Land Management, the feds, and the Oregon State Police, and different feds, we don't even know exactly who all was there, we allow them to murder Lavoie Fenicum. If you've watched the enhanced video, you've watched the videos from inside the car, you have to conclude that they were murdered. They were murdered. This, this was an all-out assassination attempt. They wanted specifically to kill Lavoie Fenicum, but they shot at a car. Listen, you know what's a violation of the law? To shoot at a car without knowing. A police officer is not to shoot at a car unless you know what you're shooting at. You've got to know what's in there. You've got to know what's behind the car. You've got to know what's going on inside that car. There was not a single gun in that car. Not one gun. They murdered a man in cold blood and let him lay face down in the snow. Nobody's fighting. Nobody's fighting. Hey, sorry about that. Folks are telling me I'm yelling too much. I apologize. I'll turn it down a little bit. How about this? Let me know. Is this any better? Does that sound better? Does that sound better to you? How about now? (laughs) Rude. No, I appreciate it. Thank you for telling me. I, I was fired up and I was yelling. So here's the thing. You got all these we we didn't do anything. We didn't do anything. We just we just sit back and go, well, what can you do? And I know it look, 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 look. Let me let me just All right, here you go. Here you go. Uh the VA official at fifty eight years of age caught, you know, to himself at a VA office conference room repeatedly by a teacher's group in another building. He got paid administrative leave and was allowed to take an early retirement. We have proof of what they actually do. They sit around and do that instead of doing their job, instead of taking care of our veterans. The veterans, uh, come on. Why? Apathy? You know what? They want you to believe there's nothing you can do. They want you to believe that you are powerless. You're powerless. You are powerless. That's what they want you to believe. It's only true if you believe it. It's only true if you act as though that's the case. How about the mortgage crisis, right? Nobody went to jail during the mortgage crisis. Nobody went to jail. The housing crisis, how about, how about that? Who caused that? Who caused that? What caused that? Why are we doing it again? Why is Barack Hussein Obama doing the same thing that Bill Clinton did, and, and, and in fairness, not to be an apologist for um, – Number 43, uh, George Bush, Bill Clinton wanted to be the guy that put people in their house no matter if they could afford it or not. No matter if they could afford it. they Listen, it doesn't matter if they can afford it or not. That is inconsequential. It doesn't matter. 
What we want is for them to have a house. That's ultimately what's more important. Do you have a house? You know what you can do? You can just you can just refinance. That's what you can do. When the rates anything happen, look, just refinance. That's super good. That's super great. That's what you do. That is what you do. You just refinance. That's how it goes. There's all kinds of stories going around out there uh, from wackadoo organizations pretending to be authentic organizations, talking about, you know, Ted Cruz's uh, wife and her connections and his connections and all this stuff. Look, it's a bunch of crap. Let me let me say this. They're usually in those kind of things that get sent around, and they're nothing but gossip, just to, just to plant a seed. I'll tell you who did it. And, and you know what? Here's the thing. Barney Frank, you know, he's gone now. He's out. He's gone. Barney Frank got caught having a male prostitution ring in his house. Barney Frank didn't go to jail. Prostitution. <laughs> in his house. Barney Frank, he's the guy that got it started. And he lied and lied and lied. He should be in jail. Hey, he would actually like jail, I think. But there's always small threads of truth in there. 99% of it's simply untrue. You see, here's the thing. I'll just tell you a little bit about my background. I have a modicum of training, education, and certified experience in this area. For over 10 years, I was a high-level registered investment advisor, a SEC registered, NASD, blah, 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 registered investment advisor, estate and trust planner for high-net-worth individuals. Some of you listening, I actually did your estate plan, and now you are comfortably and happily retired with zero risk. You're welcome. Look, I know what caused the mortgage implosion as well as the resultant housing collapse. I aggressively, and I'm telling you, I was super aggressive in advising my clients against the risks which few were seeking. Look, you know, I'm telling you, folks were greedy. People were greedy. I was shocked to see it. These people are greedy. They're like, Sean, my neighbor, my neighbor's getting 164%, Sean. You're only earning me 31. What's the deal here, Sean? What's the deal? Why? I mean, I, you know, I, you're a nice guy, and I love to have you over my house and all, but why am I only getting 33%? My na- I'm losing money at this rate, Sean. I can't afford this. I'm losing money. No, you're not losing money. You're gaining 30%. You know, look, that was a rare occasion. It's usually less than that, let's be honest. These are people going into retirement or in retirement. You can't risk the bricks. You can't do that. So I would advise my clients against real risky things, collateral, uh, you know, credit default swaps or CDS or MBOs, mortgage-backed securities or tranches or strips or any of these things, these derivatives. No way, man. I'd say, look, you don't want any part of that. That's not real investment. That's pretend. That's pretend. And the massive subprime mortgage and overstripping and speculation of the mortgage and home market. Look, it, it caused... People to default on their loans. Now, look, I, I I don't put it all on the banks. I don't put it all on the banks because, look, you know if you have money to make the payment or not. And if you don't, you shouldn't be buying a house for Pete's sake. If you can't do a simple calculation, you know what? I can't afford this house. 
And some schmuckatelli with, uh, with hair slicked back is telling you, look, you can. You can afford this house. I'm telling you. All you do, you have this house for one year, right? You get this low interest rate. Another year, you get down the road. You pay your payments and all. And then guess what happens? Bada boom, bada bing. You refinance. The rate's lower. You do better. You know, make sure your credit is good. Uh, you didn't check my credit. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. You know, you got the money, right? Make the payments and all. So, well, you didn't check my my income. How do you want to buy a house and, and they're not going to check your income? Why in the world? Because Bill Clinton wanted to be the president that put every single person, prospective voter, in a house. And they wanted to look around their walls and go, Bill Clinton gave me this. He's my boy. Right? So they lost jobs. People lost jobs. When, when businesses started getting out of business, they lost jobs by the millions. Homes defaulted by the millions. They couldn't afford it when their variable rate mortgages hit the balloon or balloon. Remember balloon mortgages? Once they hit, man, it was all over. Houses started to then plummet in value. Why? Because for the first time in history or almost, and Schumer, by the way, also involved. Thank you, Jerry. Um, houses are going down, plummeting, plummeting in value. And all of a sudden you can't refinance. And all of a sudden, the banks and mortgage companies are like, mm, no, no, with the climate the way it is, we're not going to be able to do that. We're not going to be able to do it. All those leaders that, that developed these policies and all the people in charge of those banks and mortgage companies that should have gone to jail, but they didn't. And, and I'm going to remind you, the origin of this crisis started when Bill Clinton said he wanted everyone to own a home during his administration. He wanted to be known as the president who made it possible for everybody to own a home, whether they could pay for it or not. Folks, he, there was, and you saw the ads on television. If you'll remember, it's, it showed black people sitting there and then Hispanics, of course. And whatever the, whatever the demographic was in that area, that's who they had sitting at the desk. And they, and they were, you know, they, this white, always a white guy. Always a white woman or a white man, usually a white man, would say, well, yeah, you don't, you can't afford this house. And they're looking, you know, down at their skin. And then say, if this has ever happened to you, if, what is it called? Um, housing, I can't remember what the name of it was. There was a name for it. So you call this number and we're going to help you out. We are going to help you out. We're going to make the wrong right. We're going we're to return what the locusts have eaten. Folks, it was a recipe for disaster. I, I, I know I'm not reminding you. I'm not reminding you of anything. The low-end the low guys, some of the low-end guys went to jail. Some of the low-end uh, managers, the loan managers, things like that, they went to jail for predatory lending. But how about the big guys? How about the big guys that made a billion dollars? There's actually people that made a billion dollars. How about those people? Millions of people out of a job. But sadly, here's the thing. You know, Bush 43, he could have and he should have done something, but he didn't. But then shortly after he's in office, 9-11 happens, and his focus justifiably in many respects was elsewhere for the remainder of his term. And, and look, we've learned nothing, American people, because Obama, Hussein Obama, in order to gain votes, he's doing the same thing, same policies. Look, I, I want to say this about uh, Heidi Cruz. Her record is well documented. She's been, um, she has not been a, a go along to get along person in these different roles that she's had. She's been in a dissenting opinion in her government roles and advisory roles, things like that, coming out on the side of reasonableness. 
and comparing, uh, you know, Heidi Cruz's record in the public, uh, pu- public and private sector and comparing, um, you know, how the oil boom happened. People are saying now that the bottom has fallen out of the oil, uh, the oil industry in America, you know, and there's businesses going out of business. It was great for a while, and then all of a sudden, boom. Comparing those as apples and aardvarks, they're, they're not related. They're not related. Look, it's, it's really – let me say this about that now that you got me on the subject. It's all your fault. Um, it's very expensive to drill for oil, and, and that is after the great expense of actually finding the oil. Look, we use oil, folks. We use oil. I love fossil fuels. I'm a big fan. You know, Dodd-Frank, come on, those, those guys were behind the banking thing. And the oil thing, let me tell you something. Before a single shovel overturns dirt, there's all kinds of, you know, super expensive exploration that has to be done. But the biggest cost, it's going to blow your mind, folks, the biggest cost of producing oil in the United States is what? The biggest cost of producing oil in the United States is regulatory cost and taxes. Go look at the pump. See how much you're paying for gas. I talked a while ago. Who, who in the world? Listen, gas prices? Who understands why they seem so arbitrary? Why are they so whimsical? How can a family even make a budget for fuel costs when one day the fuel is one sixty nine nine, the very next day the fuel prices are three twenty nine nine? Why isn't that part of the debates? Go look. When you go, go look at your gas and, and see if there's a sticker on there that says the amount. It's up to 58%. I think that's the highest in the country right now. 58% is tax theft from the oil companies per gallon. They don't care whether in order to pay that taxes per gallon the um, oil company loses money or not. They don't care. They don't care. They simply don't care, ladies and gentlemen. They don't care. Give us our money. Give, yeah, we didn't contribute anything. In fact, you've had to pay us off all along the way to be able to drill for oil, to even explore. And oh, that lease you have, we hold that over your head, and we revoke it at any time if we just we just want to. We're going to. Here's the problem. It takes about $60 a barrel in order to break even on oil. You say, look, I, look, oil and all that stuff, I'm against all that. The Middle East, here's the thing, the Middle East, just to be fair, the Middle East is in a similar pickle, except they're infra- we built the infrastructure. You know, we went there and did that for them. And in this respect, I agree with Donald Trump. We've been terrible negotiators. Well, you know, we have a military vehicle go up to a gas station in Iraq and pay two twenty-five a gallon. We have an Iraqi citizen go up there and pay $0.25 cents for a gallon doesn't make any sense. On that, I agree. But I tell you this, I don't think the man can make it happen. You say, well, he's a great businessman. Look at his record. Listen to my past shows. No, he's not really. Great at getting ratings, great at filling stadiums, but actually doing some of the stuff he says he's going to do, he's never done in his life. If he's the nominee, he's going to have my vote, guaranteed. Here's the thing. Low gas prices are great, right? We, we all were digging the low gas prices. They're starting to edge up again. That's great while you're pumping the gas in your car. But guess what? Pensions, whole pensions are heavily, just like they were 
on the mortgages, just like they were on the banks, just like they were on these speculative things. They're the same thing on oil and gas. And guess what? I'm getting pummeled. I have you know, no money, but I have one little stock, and I have a tiny, tiny bit of money in it, and, I, and I'm down 58%. Yeah, I got a long way to go before I can get back to zero. So here's the thing, folks. Here's the thing. When you're pumping gas, let's say once you go on a fixed income, you start taking your retirement. Well, I guess at that point you really don't care anymore, do you? Because your your costs are fixed or are not fixed at that point. You want them to be fixed, but your income is fixed. So you're pumping gas. You're like, man, I wish the gas prices would go down. But guess what? Pensions, whole states. Pensions, California, you know, they talk about how anti-gas and oil they are, how anti-fossil fuels, they're so for solar. Look at what their investments are in gas and oil. <laughs> Fossil fuels, look at what their investments are. The biggest profiteers from oil are neither the oil companies or Wall Street. The biggest profiteering comes from the United States government and it's confiscatory taxes taken from oil companies despite zero governmental investment or risk. And you know who they steal it from? They steal it from you every time you pump a gallon of gas. Every time. Now, you know, I got fired up on that. Food prices, about that. Um, about uh, Before you, you, know, you try to find a tall building to jump off of, I want you to understand something very important here. I, they don't pay me a penny. Uh, now, I do earn something. I do earn something by being involved in, in Center for Self-Governance. I earn uh, – look, I have a lot of years education. I have a lot of education. And, you know, some of it's been great. And some of it's been not so great. But I can tell you this. I've got a lot of years of experience. And I, I can just tell you, I can just tell you, I've never had better training than from the Center for Self-Governance. And February, February, April 9th, I think it is, go to uh, drshawngreener.com, go to the blog section, look for Secret Sauce, or theninjapastor.com, go to the blog section, Secret Sauce. You look there, and it has all the dates. It's this, it's this week. It is this week. Look, the Center for Self-Governance, these people don't get paid a dime. They scratch and they, they dig and, and, you know, uh, I, I have a, a great friend. I won't say his name on the air. I just gave a, a huge gift that doing um, for the projectors. You know, they, don't, they, they needed a projector. And so when he gets here, I have a projector here because of the, the kindness of, of my friend. To give, so, they, look, they don't, they don't have money, you know. We do need Secret Sauce. Steve from Ohio, we need Secret Sauce T-shirts. We do. It's, ask me about the Secret Sauce. Um, Anyway, it, it, that is the answer, folks. And you say, well, how is the Center for Self-Governance the answer? And why are you so hyped up on it? I got to tell you, because it teaches you how it really works, number one, and it teaches you how you can make it work for us, self-governance. But what do you need? You need a lot of people who are sold out hardcore, mutually pledged to keep the republic. If we don't do that, we can talk a bunch of smack all we want. We do all the Facebook posts. Look, I have 5,000 Facebook. They tell me the, the um, publicist people. Hold on. Let me take a drink of this great tea. <sighs> a little more honey. I like a little honey because I'm soft. Um, 
<laughs> so, so here's the thing. You need people who are mutually pledged not to a candidate, not to a, an issue, not to anything like that, to each other to keep the republic. Because I'm telling you, we, we are dangerously, dangerously close to losing it, everything. How about food prices, folks? Have you noticed that you're paying approximately 75% more for food and drink than just five to six years ago? Look, five to six years ago, it's, it's less than half of what you're paying out for food today. Why isn't that freaking people out? And how come that's not part of the discussion at the debates? How come when we're making a decision as to who's going to run the pre- for who's going to run the country as president? And, and why isn't it? Who is making sure that's not part of the discussion? Let's talk about something else. We brought brought up food. You guys so smartly brought up food. How about farms? I have a tag on my truck. I have a, a Ford F one fifty truck. I love it. By the way, Ford doesn't pay me a dime. I need to get money from these people because here's the thing. We have an opportunity, and we already have one of my good friends is in for a whole month, $545. Um, I have an opportunity to be on 10 radio stations, 10 actual you know, brick-and-mortar, plus they have an Internet presence, radio station all around the country, major markets around the country. But the thing is you have to buy in. You have to buy in to be part of this network. You have to buy in. There's a fee, and it's low compared to what you get. And the thing is, is I don't have that, you know. Uh, I don't I don't have that money. And so uh, we want to be able to cover at least a year before we go to them and say, yes, we're going to do it. Uh, but I've been approached about it. They say, look, you got what it takes. You're putting out good information. You're doing it in a fun way, informative way, a moving, inspirational way. We want you to be involved with this. I just can't do it until I can cover it. So if you have that, if you're a person that has that or you know somebody that would want to advertise on my show and they say, look, we'll, we'll cover you for this or that, Get a hold of me through the ninjapastor.com or drshawngreener.com or email me at sean at drshawngreener.com or smgreener at gmail.com. Any of those, or if you know my number, text me. We'll sit down with them. We'll tell them the exchange of value, and we'll make it worth their while. But anyway, so fuel prices, food prices, the farms, folks. You guys know on the back of my truck I brought up the Ford F-150 for this reason. Well, back of my truck, I had a choice when I had to re-up my tag, right? It's a 2012, so I had to re-up my tag. And so they said, well, what kind of tag do you want? I said, well, what kind of tag do you have? And I could have gotten disabled veteran. I could have gotten, um, you know, Navy. I could have gotten any any of those, you know, uh, LEO, retired, former LEO, you know, uh, any of those things. I could have gotten any of that stuff. But I chose farm. I chose, and, and I think it's a certain amount of money. You had to pay extra for it, and a certain amount of money goes to help the farmland, the op- open land, you know. Look, you, farms are disappearing. I, I, I hope you can see this happening. Farms are disappearing. Where do we get our where – do we, where do we get our food? Where do we get our food? Some lab in China somewhere? Where's our food being grown? How do we put up new townhouses? How do we put up new whole housing developments when, when we have 45% occupancy of existing houses? How in the world? I don't know what it's like where you live, but where I live, 
There are houses on the market that have been on the market for three years, and we're building new houses. Why? Because people got to make money. Construction, you got you to gotta have the construction people working. You've got to do all that. Hey, here's an idea. Let's build up this. Uh, there's a show. I'm trying to remember. It's one of my favorite shows, uh, Fixer Upper. And Chip and Joanna Gaines, they're from Waco, Texas, and I love watching this show. Nothing I love better than kicking back and putting my feet up and watching this show because I'm telling you, I love those people. First of all, they're conservatives, they're Christians, great family people, uh, really, really good people. And they go all around Waco and, and they look for the, the the worst house in the best neighborhood is what they always say. And, you know, you buy this house for a song and you say, well, what's your all-in budget? Okay, the house was thirty-five thousand. I'm going to tell you, some of these houses paid for taking the house. You wonder about negative interest. They should get paid for taking these houses. Well, then they say, hey, you know what? Here's the deal. What you're going to have to do is we're going to have to invest back into this house since we got it for thirty-five thousand or a hundred thousand, whatever. Your all-in budget is two fifty. So that gives you, let's say, you pay a hundred thousand for the house. That gives you a hundred and fifty thousand, folks. What they do with these houses, I am telling you. It's stunning. I look at these houses and I think, oh, man, I just want Chip and Joanna Gaines to buy a piece of crap house for me and then do their – I don't even need to see the house, preferably in the country, lots of land around it, maybe some water, you know, place to hunt, whatever. Love it. Love it. Give me some farmland. I'll be all about it. I don't need a big house. But they fix it up. It's beautiful. Why not build up the renovation market? These, these, um, one of my buddies in chat, construction people, you mean undocumented immigrants. Well, I hate to say it, but there's so many of you. You look around, it's like, whoa, come on now. You can't tell me, well, they're the only ones that will do the job. They're the only ones that will do the job for that amount of money. If they don't exist, guess what? Things cost more, but we're all making more. Houses, I mean... You look around and there's houses going up and 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 it's tragic to me. There's fields all around where I live. It's been a farm and, and an agrarian community for a long time. And now you know what it is? It's a townhouse and house community. It's crushing. Why isn't anybody talking about this? Why isn't this part of the debate? Does this affect you? At all? How about fuel prices? That affect you? Food, farms, mortgage crisis, housing crisis, negative interest rate? No, we're talking about we're talking about so and so's twenty seven mistresses and the fact we don't like his face or his hair can't possibly be real or look how orange he looks today. It's all stupid stuff. It's all stupid stuff. I will say between the candidates, Ted Cruz seems to be the one that is talking about more pertinent things. He doesn't get people fired up as much, but let me tell you what. He's also not a reality TV star. College costs. Let's talk about college costs just for fun because it's so much fun to talk about college loans. Now, I paid for my college as I went. I didn't get a single loan. Eleven years of postgraduate education, doctorate-level education. Huge money, paid as I went. Worked full-time, worked really what in 80 hours a week. I averaged 80 hours a week and went to school full-time. 120000 to 300000 let's say you, you spend for your kid to go to college, depending on where they go to college. Somewhere. They're going to get a job somewhere. Wherever that elusive unicorn 
manufacturing facility is, somewhere they're going to get a job at maybe 23, 24 years old. They're going to get a job paying $35,000 a year, between 35 and 40000 That's the average, what they say. Can I ask you something? Negative interest rate, people, how are they going to – how are they going to retire? How are they even going to put enough money away to retire at age 110? Because, of course, Social Security is going to work till you're 110 by then. Come on, it won't exist. We're talking about unicorns here. How are they going to do it? I have a good buddy of mine. And, look, you do what you want to do. But I have a good buddy of mine. He says, you know what? I don't put my money in the banks anymore. You know what I do? I convert it to ammunition. I convert it to silver. I convert it to food. I convert it to water, and I convert it to guns. That's what I convert. That is my currency. That is my currency. You know what? If he said that at a party of not like-minded individuals, or in other words, a, 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 a liberal place, you know what? Would he could laugh out of town. I'd be there, and I'd be like, what's wrong with that? I'm down with that. Money, negative interest rates, the stock market. Where are you going to go now? Put your money in. You know you're going to make between eight and maybe twelve percent safely. What, what what about the college loans? How in the world are we going to pay that back? You say, well, college costs too much. We need to get that cost down. Tell you what, let's do. Let's get the government out of it. You know what the government did? Barack Hussein Obama. He shut down private funding of college. He shut it down. Now it's all through the government. He took over an industry, and we were quiet. We were quiet. We allowed it. We allowed it. Why? Why did we do it? Why Why were we silent? Because the pain of being silent didn't outweigh the outcome, the consequences. Just it came on slowly. So colleges are, are growing. Tuition is growing at twice the inflation rate. Nobody's saying, hey, why are these going up so much? Well, it's expensive. And you've got these college professors who they like to dress like they're poor, but they're not. They're making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year for working three days a week. Not very hard. Good, good work if you can get it. Great benefits, and they, and they, and, but they're out there. Yeah, well, you know the uh, Bernie Sanders people and Hillary Clinton. We're free college. Rah, rah, rah. How about getting the government out of it? Because you know what? What happened? Every time the government would give more federal money, read that to be taxes, your money. Every time they took money out of your pocket and then sent it through their funnels of of theft. What did they do? They bumped up the the uh, tuition rates, and the people got pay raises and all this stuff. It didn't make it any cheaper. Not any cheaper. Go look at it. I mean, pull it up. I did it. It just took me 10 minutes. How about safety, folks? We don't have that long left. Safety is you travel around your hometown. Look, you can't go anywhere now. Between the gangs and the Islamic Jihad, and, and look, even in our hometowns, you you can no longer say, well, that's the big cities. Well, that's over in Europe. No, it's not. You ever been to San Bernardino? You ever been to Nebraska? 
Have you been to some of these small towns where this 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 Islam crime? How about Black Lives Matter? How about the, all the anti-police, anti-governance people every day? They're blocking streets. What if you're on your way home from work? You don't know. Look, you you listen to books on tape. You listen to educational things. You listen to you know things that make you a better person. You listen to the Bible on the way home. So you're not listening to the radio for traffic and whatever. So you didn't hear about it. And you drive and down the street, you're on an interstate and all of a sudden everything's coming to somebody like, what the heck? And you see all these people with signs and whatnot and they're arm in arm across the thing and they're beating on people's cars. What do you do? And they're mad about something and they get away with it. They get away with it. It's, it's, it's egregious folks. It's sickeningly egregious. And you know what? Crime is getting more violent. But you know what they're doing? They're making it harder and harder for police officers to do their jobs. They're making it harder and harder for us to protect ourselves. All right. All right. Let's just do this. I'll just I'll go one step further. And I, I did a little bit, but maybe I, I'll do it anyway. Speaking of safety, since you brought it up, Islam, it's on the march, folks. And they said, look, they said it. Right now I'm completing uh, another doctorate, uh, Doctorate of Divinity. It's an earned Doctorate of Divinity. Um, and I'm in com- comparative beliefs right now. So I had to do a, a comparison between Islam and Christianity and back and forth and, and all this. And, and um, I'm telling you uh, – by the way, if you haven't listened to the show I did with Bill Federer, William Federer, go to theninjapastor.com. Go to the blog. Go down to where I talk about William Federer. Go down. There's a link in there. All of it is in there. It's no commercials. Absolutely blow your mind. It's a mind-blowing show. Absolutely tremendous. Some people say that was their favorite show ever. But look, Islam is on the march. They, they don't have any hesitancy or fear of reprisal for what they say. Look, they said, look, we're coming to the White House. They put it on film. We're coming to your White House. We're going to behead your not Muslim enough Muslim president, and they're going to raise the black flag of the Islamic State over the White House and over the Capitol. Nobody got a problem with that. Nobody has a problem with that. Well, it's their religion, you know, freedom of religion. How come Christians can't do that? How come Christians can't say, look, I don't want to make a darn cake for you. Love you, but I don't want to make a cake for you. But the religious, political, and military ideology that is Islam, I, I don't know a person. Uh, look, I've, I've had uh, Eric Stackel back on here. I've had Jim Sullivan on here. I'm an internationally recognized expert on Islam at you know the doctorate level, at the global level. And I can tell you this. When are you going to shake your head and go, you know, the president, every time another Muslim cuts off somebody's head or opens up with the automatic machine gun on a, on a place, shooting the place up, killing everybody, children too, the first thing this man does, Hussein Obama, Hussein Obama does is come out and go, look, you can't blame, you can't blame, you can't blame Muslims. That's not right. We're going to be very careful here. We're going to punish it. If you say bad things about Muslims, we're going to punish it. It's not going to, we're not going to tolerate it. That's hate speech. We're not going to tolerate that. And oh, by the way, we like your guns. Listen, at some point or another, you've got to look at that and you've got to say, hey, you know what? I'm not going to tolerate this. You, my friend, are a treasonous fool. I will not be a fool with you. And then you learn through the center of self-governance how to negotiate and wield the power of self-governance 
instead of barking, and you make stuff happen. You know why the president isn't afraid of them? Because he's one of them. He's not afraid of Muslims because he's one of them. He was raised as an anti-colonialist by an anti-colonialist. He had essentially fathers. He had a stepfather and his biological father, if you believe all that. And they were both Muslims. And then Frank Marshall Davis, super, super anti-colonialist, super anti-American. I mean, come on, folks. The guy was raised to hate America and everything American. He was raised to hate everything Western. You say, well, no, that can't be, because look at the vacations he's going on. Look at the way this guy lives. He's got all these stars. They're all the time paying. We're paying all this money. You know, when you see all these stars go to the White House, do all this stuff, think ka-ching. Think ka-ching, folks, because that's your money. That's coming out your old pocket for him to party on. Ridiculous. We sit silent. We don't say anything. We grumble to each other and ourselves, but we're afraid of being called a racist. But Buddy Jerry says, we're rewarding the godless things. We're rewarding the wrong things. This man goes on $400 million worth of vacations. We're like, well, what are you going to do? Got to get away. That's why we have Camp David. Not been there once. You say, well, they can't, he can't possibly hate America because look how much he's enjoying it. The hijackers in 9-11, they enjoyed America. They had a great time. They partied on, went to strip clubs, got drunk, did all that stuff because they knew by killing all those people and doing jihad on us, they were going to get, their, get their, their paradise deal, they think. In Islam, you don't know until you're dead. You don't know. Did I do enough? Was I good enough? Was I bad enough? Even, even look, I don't even know if you know this, but even uh, when they talk about the Prophet Muhammad, whenever they say a prayer, they start it with, when they mention the Prophet Muhammad, they say, uh, peace be upon him. Blessings be upon him. Why? They're praying and hoping that their own prophet goes to the, whatever paradise they have. They're trying to pray him in because he's not even sure. So Islam goes around, does whatever they want to do. Our military, listen, do you even care that our military, okay, they threaten to kill our president, chop, chop his head off. I don't think he's afraid because he's one of them. But the bottom line is they'll still cut his head off just to show they can. And they'll do it on national television. We don't seem to care that the president, and I don't know if you know this or not, our military strength, troop levels and weapons levels and defense capability, all of it, in seven years, he has reduced it to before World War II levels. Do you even care that in just in the seven years that Hussein Obama has been in office, he has totally and completely decimated our military? He's made them into a social experiment instead of a feared fighting force. Does that matter to you? I don't know about you, but I look at that, and I look at our military, and I say, we're in trouble. We're in trouble. Not because, not because our military is full of bad people. It's not. 
we got some really great people still, but listen to what's happening. They're getting the really conservative ones. They're getting the ones that understand how it really works, and they're getting them out one way or the other, starting at the top. Boom, gone, boom, gone. Another general, another, another admiral, gone. Another captain, gone. Meanwhile, Hillary Clinton still hasn't been arrested for treason. Does it even matter to you? We're allowing our veterans to kill themselves at a rate of more than 22 a day. 22 a day. That's on average. Sometimes it's more than that. Several days there was, there was more than double that. Go and serve the country. They put their lives at risk. They lose their friends. Some of them lose parts of their bodies, brain injuries, PTSD. Can't take it anymore. Boom. Nobody's helping them. We're trying. In the private sector, we're trying. Of course they feel hopeless. Of course these combat veterans feel hopeless. You know why? Because they're coming back to this country and you would never know that we're at war. You'd never know. Some of them came back five, six years ago, they, and they said to me, because I counsel, I counsel for PTSD uh, completely confidentially, and I can tell you the biggest thing people say to me is they don't even know. These combat veterans, returning combat they don't even know. I look around my neighborhood. People don't even know. People don't even know what I went through. They don't have any clue. They're yucking it up getting in fights at softball games with their kids. Mad at the cable company because cable went out right before the big game. That's the biggest thing that's happened to them. Meanwhile, I saw my friend get half his head shot off, and he was still talking to me. My other friend, we were planning uh, his wedding. When we get back to the States, he's getting married, and I was going to be his best man. And, and the next day, he's gone. He's dead. And I get back to this country, and they don't even care, man. They don't even care. Nobody cares. They don't care. Why should I? Why should I? Why should I stay alive here? I can't. I can't get the VA to call me back. I can't get the treatment. They want to put me through a class. I'm missing a limb. They want to put me through a class to replace my cane. On how to use a cane. I've been using a cane for two years. I had to use. My own money, I had to you know, sell everything I had in order to afford a better prosthesis because they, weren't, they were going to give me the old thing, the thing that's 20 years old. They gave me six weeks of, of physical therapy to learn how to use this leg. Don't the people care? The answer ends up being no, they don't care. No, it doesn't matter. Does it matter to you that instead of training our soldiers to fight and win wars here and around the world, our male ROTC, this is true, this is on film, our male ROTC officers in colleges all around the country, the United States of America, are being made to march literally a mile in their uniforms, but instead of having on combat boots, they have on all these real colorful women's High heel shoes. Why do they do that? To demonstrate their sensitivity to the rape culture prevalent in the military and on college campuses. This is what the left is saying. Hey, man, you people, you warriors, yeah, right, you're warmongers. And you know what you do? 
You promote rape culture and you prevent abuse of women and disrespect of women. You know, that's what you do. So here, you're going to walk a mile in our shoes. Literally, they have them walk a mile in high heel shoes. This is not even a, a question in the debates. Nobody even brings it up. This person is going to be our president. Nobody brings it up. Nobody says, hey, this is a problem. We talk around issues. We talk, we, we dress them up. Everybody's afraid to say anything. Nothing real. Nobody says anything real. Why? Because you're a hate speaker if you say something real. Look at what's going on around the country right now. You've got governors who are wanting to sign in legislation. George is a great example. Legislation, the anti-discrimination legislation, which is actually for businesses that if you don't want to bake a cake for somebody, you don't have to. You're not trying to ruin their wedding. Let them go down the street to get their cake from whoever they want. If I come in and preach in the gospel of Christ, you know what they're allowed to do? They're allowed to say, look, we're not going to serve you. We're not into what you're doing. I don't go sue them. I go down the street and I say, hey, will you serve me? I'm a Bible thumper. Hey, will you serve me? I'm a, I'm a veteran. I don't stand around butt hurt and whine and cry. I'm going to see somebody. Does it matter to you at all that now Hussein Obama and Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders are openly talking? They're talking openly about putting the NRA and other gun uh, rights organizations out of business. Openly. They're not even, it's not even quiet anymore. They're bragging about it. Hillary Clinton's, I'm going to tell you, the NRA, uh, they hate me. I'm the most hated presidential candidate up here. They hate me, and I'll tell you, I've earned it, and I'm proud of it. And they brag about putting the, the NRA and other gun organizations out of business. They brag about suing gun manufacturers out of business, litigating them into non-existence. Does it even matter to you that they're talking about taking guns off the street? When they talk about taking guns off the street, they're saying, look, I'm taking them away from everyone except the police. You know, the ones we pick and the ones we control. Why don't we hear this in the debates? I, I, let me just, I'm going to put this out there. This is brought up. I, I'll put it out there since it was said. I don't know who said it on this show, but somebody said it just now. Hashtag Bible Thumper. In the debates, we hear Donald Trump talking about lying Ted. He loves to say it like that. Oh, man, I've known a lot of liars, but, oh, that one's the worst. Lion Ted. It's disgusting. But you know what? His followers, and no offense to any of you out there, look, among 600,000 people a week that listen to the show, i got to have a bunch of Trump followers, and that's cool with me. I'm a little bit different in that regard. I did a speech. Um, what day was it? I don't remember what day it was. I did a speech last week to a Republican organization. There was a Trump group that came um, that they looked at themselves as separate from this Republican organization. And they said, well, I thought there was a Trump meeting. And there was a mix-up in the Trump organization. The Trump organization used this meeting and said, hey, we're having a gathering. Well, in reality, that wasn't the case. It was a Republican organization. And the Republican leaders there said, look, you guys are welcome to come. Trump's Republican. We, you know, he could be our nominee. Hey, you're welcome to come. They didn't. They didn't stay. They made a big fuss and made, you know, whining and crying about 
this is why the government, this is why I'm doing it. I'm voting for him because he's going to turn us all upside down. Whatever. If you believe that, okay. You, you believe what you can believe. I, I, look, I'm telling you, I, I'm in support of that. But here's, here's, here's what people are doing. They're emulating Donald Trump, a, a TV star, a media mogul. He is a master of the media. No doubt about it. Very good at that. But they're quoting him. They're, they're pretending to be him. They're identifying with him. His rhetoric and all that stuff, when they quote him, they sound just like him. Look, if Ted Cruz has 23 mistresses, and we most assuredly – listen, if he did, we'd have heard about – come on, a conservative Bible thumper? Are you telling me that you don't think in the Texas election that we wouldn't have heard about that? If there was any truth to his wife's actually – Heidi's crazy. Heidi's crazy. We don't want her in the White House. Let me just say something to you. Barack Hussein Obama's air quotes wife, Michelle Obama, hates America. You want her in the White House? Because I got a newsflash for you. We don't need her. You want to talk about bad for America. But you know what? I don't care. I'm going to lay this out there for you, and, and my fellow Christians are probably going to be frustrated with this. I don't care anymore. I don't care. I don't care. Look, if you want to believe that Ted Cruz has all these wives and mistresses and all this business, whatever. Donald Trump, he, he brags about his mistresses. You know the old saying, you light your next cigarette with the last cigarette? Well, he went on to the next wife while he was still married to the first wife. He upgraded multiple times. He's bragged about all those affairs. Look, if that's okay with you, hey, I'm not electing a preacher. I'm not electing a Sunday school teacher. I'm electing the president. Stadiums are filling up with Trump supporters who they don't care. They don't care. 35,000 people, they don't care. Wait in line for seven hours, they don't care. I'm going to go hear Trump. Now, in fairness to Trump, let me say this, because we don't have that long left. In fairness to Trump, this Trump violence that people are quoting, I'm getting kind of sick of hearing that, because it's not his violence. Somebody wants to rile up on me and front on me, kind of post up on me in my face, act like they're going to hit me, and they're going to spit and talk and yell and scream at me. Guess what? They're getting thumped. They're getting thumped. They're going to pay. They'll never forget that day. I'll see to it. So these hard left organizations, these Black Lives Matter, these Alinsky groups, these Soros groups, uh, Soros groups, it's in there. Now, this allegedly 15-year-old female, she's there. So half her head is shaved. It's different colors. She's got things sticking out of her. She's all kinds of crazy business. I don't know. Crazy business. They say she's 15. She's a big girl, man. She's big for 15. And she's gone a phallus mouth, man. And I'm thinking to myself, man, you kiss your mother with that mouth? I mean, it's all on video. Foul mouth, this girl. And there's this guy, and she has just cued in on this older guy and going on and on and on and on and on and on and on about this guy. She's spitting when she talks and everything. And then he tries to walk away, and what's she do? He turns his head. She sucker punches him. She sucker punches the man. Half a second later, you see her getting sprayed in the face with pepper mace. I say, bully on you, dude. Bully on you. Guess what? Society wants him arrested. Society wants him arrested. Sprays her with mace after she sucker punched. Man, she's only 15 years old. 
This 15-year-old blob of protoplasm sucker punches an adult man. He sprays her with pepper mace in self-defense, and society wants him arrested. Let me tell you something. You sucker punch me. I don't care if you're a 15-year-old girl. I don't care who you are. You sucker punch me. You know what I see? I see teeth about to go through the back of your head. I see somebody going to the ground. You're going to pay. I don't stand for it. I don't stand for it. So it's not right that we're saying Trump, the press is calling it Trump violence. People on social media calling it Trump violence. Listen, these people are bums. They suck. They're Black Lives Matter, George Soros, ultra left. They don't even know why they're there, but they're, they're there to disrupt and cause problems. And that's what they're doing. But they're blaming it on Trump. Well, Trump created the violence through violent rhetoric uh, and all that. But you know what? Even though Islam brags about cutting off heads of Christians and Jews and throwing gay people off of buildings for being gay or thinking they're gay and marching into our country and they're going to kill people here and the president's always blaming not Muslims for creating the environment that promotes violence and that we're chastised not to be mean to Muslims because of the actions of a few tens of thousands of Muslims. Listen, let me ask you something. How How is it our fault? They get, it's like the penalty. You ever see people in a good football game? You ever watch a good football game and, you know, it's a cornerback and a wide receiver They're going, or, a, or even a, a tight end. They're going after it, going after it, going after it, going after it, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Camera cuts to them. You see and this one guy sucker punches the guy or, you know, he's got a hold of his jersey or whatever. But what gets caught? It's the retaliation that gets caught. The retaliation gets punished. You've seen it a hundred times. If you've watched one football game, you've seen it a hundred times. You've seen it. It's absolutely crazy how it happens. It's every single time. Every single time they're blaming him. They're blaming Trump. It's not him. He why First Amendment, you stand up, you say what you want to say. Look, I want people who are illegals out of here. If you're here illegally, you're a you're a criminal and you belong out of here. But it's bad in my country. Make it better. Go back and make it better. Because you know what? If Mexico was better than here and I tried to get into Mexico, guess what? I end up dead. 20 feet from the fence, I'm dead. Probably at the top of the fence, I'm dead. Islam comes here and they, they brag on, they put on video and they brag about, we're cutting off the heads. You need people to understand this is not a radical Islam issue. This is an Islam issue. This is a religious, political, and military ideology that will not stop until they are all killed. Bottom line. You're, you're advocating violence against innocent Muslims. You know what? If there were this 95% of Muslims are innocent and nonviolent, tell you what. Put a gun in their hand. Put a knife in their hand. Whatever you want to do. Put pepper mace in their hands. I don't care. That number of people versus that low of a number of people, why don't they fight them? Why don't they fight them? Why don't they say, hey, you're making us look bad, 1% to 5%. You're making us look bad. We're the 99% to 95%, which depends on which number you trust. So we're going we're gonna, to, hey, we're going to kill you. We're not having this bad stuff said about us. We're going to kill you. Why don't they do it? Because then they're an apostate. I mean, you need to study up on Islam. I'll do another show on it. I'll lay off some stuff, lay on some stuff that I uh, I did for this doctor that I'm working on now, and you know, I don't know it. 
some of it is, I think a lot of people just couldn't handle it. I don't know. This audience, I think you could handle it. Let me ask you something. Christian bakers, they're prosecuted, they're fined, they're forced out of business because they don't want to make a wedding cake for gay people. Christian florist, nice grandma. She don't want to make a cake for one of her friends who's a gay person. He goes out of there, hugs her, and says, no, no, I understand. I'll go down the street. And he goes immediately to um, the, 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 the liberal organizations, and they sue this woman. She's going to lose everything. She's not a hater. Oh, I love this illustration. My buddy Steve from Ohio put 95% water in a jug and then put 5% feces. So it's cool to drink because it's 95% water, right? Boom. Boom. Grandma's going to lose everything. Why? Because as a private business, they can't do what a private business used to be able to do, and that is serve whoever they wish. They're not saying, look, you're black, we're not going to serve you. Look, you're gay, we're not going to serve you. That's not what they're saying. They're saying, my religious faith dictates that I cannot endorse a gay wedding. If I make your cake or I do your flowers, I'm endorsing the gay wedding. I'm sorry I can't do it. It's not like housing where they've got nowhere to go. They've got nowhere to do. Look, Muslim businesses, they're under no such requirement. Yet we allow the press, we are allowing the press and pundits to dictate to us what they think we should be looking at. We allow the press and these pundits, first of all, Karl Rove, somebody gets some duct tape. The dude is wrong more than he's right. He's like the weatherman without a computer. A weatherman without a computer. It is sickening to me. It's sickening to me. There's lots of video of it. never makes it to the big screen. Muslim businesses under no such requirement. The, a Muslim bakery. Uh, the guy pretending to be obviously gay comes in and goes... How y'all doing? Hey, what's up, Hassan? What's up, Muhammad? What's up, Azir? Hey, listen, um, we wanting to get a wedding cake, and I'm wondering, do you make wedding cake? And before he lets on totally that he's gay, he says, he's the the guy goes, um, we make wedding cake. Yes, we make wedding cake. How big you? How many guests do you want for the wedding cake? What your budget is? Well, my partner and I. Um, I'm Robert, and he's Stephen, and um, so we're getting married because now it's legal here. And so we were thinking, oh, I don't know, three, $400 for the cake, and we're going to have 150 people, you know, typical gay wedding, right? A lot, partying and whatnot, right? Um, sorry, we no make cake for you. We're going to make we, we no bake cake for you. Well, I mean, you just said it was, you just, you just, you said you could. No, we don't make cake. We don't make cake for you. Go down the street. We don't make cake. Go down the street with uh, the cross and window. Not crescent. Don't come here. We're not going to do cake for you. Nobody has a problem with it. We're ignoring what we see. We're ignoring what we smell. We're ignoring what we taste. We know exactly what's going on, but we're not acknowledging the truth about our condition. How do we fix it? How do we win our governance back? Through self-governance. That's what we were put here to be and to do is self-governance. The Center for Self-Governance, if you're in Delaware, Maryland, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, I'm telling you, you've got to come to this. 
Go to theninjapastor.com, go to the blog section, drshawngreener.com, go to the blog section, go to centerforselfgovernance.com. Look for level one. If you've never been, look for level one. If you've been to level one and you say it didn't stick, come again. $10. Costs you 10 bucks. We now have a Keep the Republic group in Delaware. My good friend, Cliff Werline, great hard worker for Liberty. We will help you complete your program requirements all together. It's fun. And we always combine food with it. That makes it super fun. You got to do it, folks. Center for Self-Governance, you've got to do it. They are the secret sauce, I'm telling you. Hashtag secret sauce. We got lots of it. Thank you for putting up with me today. Listen, I've been fired up today. Um, I'll tell you the truth, and people that know me really well, they say, I was talking to people today, and I said, look, I don't even feel like doing the show today. I'm just mad. I'm, I'm put out. I'm just tired. I'm tired of the, the senseless rhetoric. I'm tired of being bashed as a Christian. I'm tired of being bashed as a person who believes in liberty and freedom and the Constitution. I'm tired of taking it all the time. We did the show anyway. Listen, thank you for listening. Tell your friends. About um, a minute and a half, two minutes after the show has aired, the engineers go over it and it's ready to go. The same link that you use to listen to it is the same link that they can listen to it. Send it out on Facebook. Send it out on all those social media. Your email list. I'd love it. Go to theninjapastor.com. Let us know what you think. Make some comments. I appreciate it. God bless you and God bless America. Join us next time for The Collision of Faith and Politics. And please follow this show at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash the ninja pastor. And follow Dr. Sean on Twitter at the ninja pastor and on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash God in Country Radio and at www. DrSeanGreener.com In the meantime, Dr. Sean will be fighting for you and for this great country. Thank you for joining in this fight.